everyone welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast uh, I'm Kev your host as always and with me as ever I've got the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and for this episode of the podcast we've brought in a town fan and trust member Reg Harper in on loan for the episode of the podcast gents thanks for joining me uh, hope you're both well yeah right. I am all right Reg yep feeling good Good stuff. Okay, before we get stuck into this Tottenham review episode of the podcast, uh, our apologies for a few technical issues for the Tottenham preview episode. I won't um, divulge exactly what they are, but uh, I'll say I'll say this: it was nothing to do with me. And uh, given that there was only two of us on that particular episode of the podcast, that doesn't really leave too much else. Um, it was me. Because of those technical issues, the exclusive podcast that we hinted at last week, uh, we've had to delay just purely because there haven't been enough hours in the day. But keep an eye out for that because that is coming along this week. Okay, Tottenham preview. Uh, What you are about to hear is not a repeat of podcasts gone by, although it very much could be, James, because Jesus Christ, will someone put the ball in the goddamn onion bag? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eat, sleep, miss, repeat, isn't it, really, at the moment? Bloody hell. Uh, yeah, what can you say about that game? It's ev- all the ingredients are there. Ev- everything's for there, and except for the- somebody to poke it in from any distance, but particularly on the goal line. Um, yeah, it's so, it's so frustrating that we're talking about the same thing over and over again. The amount of chances they had against Wolves. Same scenario. I mean, I even wrote in my match report um, on the Lutonian.com that it, it feels a bit like Groundhog Day or Deja Vu or whatever you want to call it because for the second Saturday running in a Premier League home game, they've had an entire forty-five second 45 minutes against 10 men and conceded a goal and then not got what they wanted. So, um, yeah, it's hard to fathom really because... You know, they've got four points and they should have had many more. It's not like they're getting battered, apart from the first 10 minutes against Spurs, obviously. (laughs) Um, We've all got eyes. Um, But, you know, they're not getting the rewards for it. Um, Hopefully something clicks, otherwise they're in bother. Yeah, they are. Um, This isn't going to be a doom and gloom episode of the podcast, though. Um, This isn't a sickener like Burnley. This is... There, there are positives from Saturday, and we're going to go through those shortly. Um, but Reg, I mean, the cake mix is all fine. We've got it all in the baking tray, ready to go in the oven. But the bloody door will not open. It's just, it, it, it's literally. I'd be more concerned as a Luton fan, and I, and I would imagine you're both in the same boat here. I'd be more concerned if we weren't creating these chances. But there's only so long we can go with creating these chances and not taking them. Yeah, you're right. But there's also a problem where um, very few of the players that we've got that are in the team uh, have actually played a great deal of Premier League football before. Um, And they're learning as they go. And going back a few years, people like Harry Aslam and Alex Stock that were great managers for Luton, when they were being interviewed and and strikers weren't scoring, they used to turn around and say they're trying too hard. And Richarlison is a perfect example. He's trying too hard to score. All you need to do is put your foot out and hope it crosses a line. And when it crosses a line, you're going to bang him in left, right, and centre. Well, I think Richarlison didn't do it. I was going to say, no, I think well. Richarlison's problem is he shit actually. Yeah. But um, uh, you know, that's neither here. Nor. I mean, how did he not have a hat trick in the first ten minutes? It was like, I mean, to be fair to Thomas Kaminsky, and we should raise this because we were. Quick enough to be fairly critical of him during the West Ham game, the Fulham game in particular, but um, he made two brilliant saves in the last two games at uh, uh, 0-0. The header from the Burnley fella from the corner, great tip over. And then on Saturday, the two saves that he made, the first one from Richarlison with his feet and the second one from 
I keep on calling him Cooler Shaker. It's not Cooler Shaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather that. Keep on calling him Cooler Shaker. Kulisevsky. <laughs> That was a brilliant save because I didn't actually realise until I watched it on Match of the Day just how late he saw that. I thought he saw it all the way from my position, saw it slightly to the left of the goal in the Kenilworth end. That was a brilliant save and he fully deserves his um, call up back to the Belgium squad on the evidence of those those three saves that I mentioned. That was his best performance in a Luton shirt for me. Um, yeah, apart, you know, Richarlison was called that first one because it was on a plate for him. So, you know, if we're going to have a discussion about strikers missing... Uh, chances you'd expect a sixty million pound Brazilian international to do a little bit better than two hundred and fifty thousand pound bloke from Walsall, but um, fair know. call. <laughs> no, no, absolutely fair yeah. call. Once, once that's not gone in, um, they were still swarming all over Luton, and Kaminsky's pulled off the the one with the foot is great. I mean, Poro should have scored as well, puts that wide. But the the one that he saves from Kulisewski to get down so low and tip it round is absolutely wonderful. I had a great view of that because I was moved over to the bobber stand and uh, yeah, got sunburned in the midday heat, <laughs> which wasn't too bad. I think I've got, I think I've got October sunburn, sunburn, who'd have thought exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. Um, but he's, yeah, he's pulled off some great saves there and I think he's looked quite comfortable, to be fair. And, you know, yeah, he made some mistakes early on, but, you know, if we're talking about a team that's learning, then, then he certainly has uh, up to that point and you've got to give him credit. Yeah, absolutely you do. I mean... This is what Luton do. They start slowly, particularly when we go into a new division. We learn, we steadily learn, we get better, we get better and we get better. This is not the first time that we've spoken on this podcast in the seven years that we've been doing it. That is because we are the only podcast that's gone from League Two to the Premier League. Um, it's not the first time that we've spoken about strikers struggling in front of goal or when we've gone up to a, a new level. We've spoken about Colo when we went up to the Championship. It wasn't happening for him. Hilts when we went up into League One just wasn't happening for him. You know, even last season, how long did Eli go before he really got going? And it, and then when he did get going, he looked an absolute monster, got 10 goals. Even Carlton Morris last season didn't really hit the ground running right from the get-go and he ended up with 20 goals. I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. Obviously, it's because they're trying something that they've not done before for the first time. But this is... This does happen a lot, so I'm not panicking yet, and I do, I really do believe that um, that it will come good. Reg Tottenham, we're not going to do too much on Tottenham because we've scared the shit out of everyone in the preview podcast that we um, released by doom and gloom, didn't we, James? Tottenham, I mean, that first 15, 20 minutes, I haven't seen 20 minutes of better football than that all season. You've got to hold your hands up and say credit where it's due. Yeah, you probably won't see a better 20 minutes of football. Well, I hope I don't see a better 20 minutes of football, to be absolutely honest with you, because uh, it was pretty bloody good. Unless it's from, you know, people in an orange shirt, of course. I will gladly see 20 minutes of football like that this season. But we got through it. Um, yeah, we was a bit hair-raising, um, but we got through it. And then when we settled into the game, um, I thought we gave Tottenham a bit of a run for the money after the first 20 minutes. I wasn't embarrassed in any way. I we wouldn't. None of us are embarrassed. I mean, we we're in the we're in the Premier League. We were expecting them to have a lot of the ball, and have, I mean, they scored two goals in every game. So that's the first time that that's not happened actually. So that's a, that's a, something to hang out on as well, I suppose. But um, we were expecting them to have a lot of the ball. What I suppose what surprised me is because you know we've been um, we've we've gone on the same journey as Luton. We've watched the same quality of football as as always um, as as Luton have played. And so to come to the Premier League and we've seen how quick and speedy the game is, the Brighton game in particular was a bit of a wake-up call, but when you come up against a top six side for the first time, or as they are probably undoubtedly Champions League contenders, if not title. Oh, they're definitely top four. Yeah. Aren't they? They're the best team we've played, I think. They, um, what, what is immediately apparent to me is how absolutely quick they are in speed of thought and action. <clears throat> they were half a yard quicker in everything than Luton at that point because Luton, can, they couldn't get near them, couldn't get a tackle on, couldn't get near them. They were sort of playing these little triangle passing moves all the way through Luton's centre, down the sides, everything. It was really hairy stuff. And um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that sort of thing is probably why they're as good as they are those teams, Tottenham and, and the rest um, in that in that top six, 
but they, the fact that they everything they do is with so much speed and precision. It, it's balls into feet. It's balls into the right areas. It's um, one touch play, even in tight situations at the back to get them out of any tricky um, situations. And that's something that is is probably where they. That's where the quality is. That's where the difference. Because you notice in that first twenty five minutes that when Luton did get the ball, it was hurried, it was rushed, and then they tri- they tripped over the ball and they made misplaced passes. It was so frustrating because. The pressure was on and kept giving it back and not not coming to grips with it. But I think yeah, Reg is right that after a certain period of time, twenty twenty five minutes, maybe thirty, that there was more. Um, maybe they calmed down a bit, a bit more. Or they they got more on the ball and they they started to create a bit more, which was uh, you know promising. But yeah, to to see it up close like that is is something else because it's it's totally different to football uh, on the TV. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I go to all of these games as a Luton fan. I'm there to watch Luton, but you know, it's hard not to appreciate good football when it's played like that. You know, they they were passing it around us. Let's be honest, and it's not like we weren't trying. It's not like we were given anything less than 100 percent because we wasn't. It was it was that thing. They were they were half a yard quicker in absolutely everything. The way they thought, the way they played, the, the movement, the passing, everything was that much quicker than Luton have ever been used to. And they just couldn't get to get to grips with them but they did eventually and I suppose you know if you're looking at it in the cold light a day afterwards we're all very disappointed in the way the result went but those things are positives that you can move forward with aren't they yeah I mean the real positive thing for me is not just did we get a hang of it get hold of them and start containing them we done it on the pitch ourselves and we spoke in the Burnley review podcast didn't we about two straight home games someone sat on their ass and they've gone and had a team talk on the sideline none of that from Luton on Saturday we worked it out on the pitch between ourselves obviously Rob would have got his messages on because the game plan wasn't being followed but they learned during the game and I think long term when they're under pressure because they're going to be under pressure an awful lot this season let's not beat about the bush there's going to be 10 12 teams that are going to have us under pressure regularly to be able to fall back on that that's going to bode well for us. That's a real positive to come out of the game. I think so. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that, you know, immediately after said, oh, the defending was awful. But I think you've got, I mean, you can say that, you can say that because they weren't getting near the ball. But is that to do with Luton or is that to do with how good Spurs were? And I think you probably have to give some credit to Spurs. Um, the fact that Luton had to ride their luck was always going to happen. In these big games against, in these, against the big teams, you're going to have to have an element of luck against you um, or for you. And that happened because when they reduced to long range shots, they were going well over, which was no mean feat considering you've got Madison and Son Hoon Min on the pitch, who, by the way, was quiet the whole game and not many people keep him quiet, which is another thing to be positive about. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it is one of these things where you just have to sort of hold your hands up and say how good they were in that in that period. It's not to say that you shouldn't be disappointed about the final outcome and how that came about, but sometimes you, you do have to hold your hands up to it. Sometimes in sport, the other team are just better than you, and that's what what it was in that first 20, 25 minutes. But Reggie, it kind of changed almost on a on a sixpence really Chio picked the ball up and ran and Basuma was like I don't think so Sunshine wanted a piggyback off of him uh, the referee who yet again was bloody atrocious from start to finish gave um, gave us a free kick Basuma got a yellow card and they kind of it was he's obviously the key the, the pivot as they call it in this day and age um, from that moment on they kind of dropped off a little bit because they knew that they couldn't leave him exposed and we got, we got ourselves into the game and like you said the last 15 minutes of the first half uh, we were more than a match for them and then uh, then comes the key incident I suppose you'd say the key incident in that first half where Basuma goes on a mazy little run and I don't, I don't know which worm or mole it was that tripped him up but someone did and um, I thought it was funny and, and off your pop son I mean you knew it was bad because I think it's the first red card I've seen for a God knows how long where the bloke's just picked himself up and trudged off. Usually they stand there now for about five minutes waiting for VAR or something else. Off he well, popped. When you watch these things on Match of the Day with other teams and um, 
players get fouled and the player gets booked and then 10 or 15 minutes later the same player gets booked again they all go shouting and moaning at the referee to try and get him to change his mind not one Tottenham player said a word got to be disappointed with that yeah. and he didn't even say a word himself he just turned around and walked off um, maybe he wants an extra week off I don't know I've never seen anything like that to be I mean I've never seen people dive don't get me wrong but I've never seen people that have just picked up a yellow card three minutes earlier throw themselves to the ground not even in the penalty box I was going to say he's five yards out of the penalty box for Christ's sake you're not even trying to win a penalty man it's a shame it's two yellow cards and not a straight red because it's just that's not football if you've got to try and win a game by doing that then I don't want to watch it if they've got a relegation rival in two games' time, it's definitely not a bad thing that it weren't a straight red card. Funnily enough, we referenced on the last podcast, didn't we, that I did a, uh, I went on a Tottenham preview podcast and they were all talking about Basuma getting a yellow card to miss the Fulham game. But I don't think it worked out in any of their plans that he was going to get a second one and still be on four yellow cards for when he comes back from the suspension for the Fulham game. But, I mean... They, they they say don't they? There's that there's that lazy cliche that footballers lack brains. Well, there's <laughs> exhibit number one. I mean, you're absolutely in control of the game, and then you just put your team under all sorts of pressure. It's it made no sense to me, but I'm mighty glad that you did it because second half it was a different game, and it could have been an oh 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 so different game in that second half. Now, I'm not here as a fat bastard who's never kicked a football on a football pitch in my, my life. I'm not here to tell Eli what he's done wrong and what he hasn't done wrong. And we'll hear from Eli in a short while where actually he recognised what he did do wrong, which I guess is a positive. But in the cold light of day, that's got to go in the back of the net, I'm afraid. He knows it. He doesn't need me to tell him it. I'm not going to criticise him or castrate him for too much, um, but condemn him, sorry, too much. But you got to put that ball in, the, and you got to put that ball in the back of the net. You just have to. Well, just just get a shot for a start. The fact that he got stuck under his feet and hit his ass and went off or something—it was, uh, yeah, it was so frustrating because Chio's done so fantastically well to get there. And <clears throat> by the way, what an absolute performance that guy put in! He skinned Pedro Porro in the first half, the first sort of attack Luton had, and. Oh, Pedro was, yeah. Porro, he was the most relieved man in the world when he got shifted over to, when um, yeah. Chio got shifted over to the other side, wasn't he? Hey, oh, Udugi was like, oh, what have I done to deserve this? Yeah. And then he got withdrawn for 15 minutes from the end to a chorus of um, a word that reminds me of Bianca and uh, that just rounded his day off nicely. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what a, what a signing he is. I mean, let's be honest, he got into the act of um, having a great chance and fluffing it as well. He was one. Doughty the other, uh, Jacob Brown had a free header, but obviously the the one that everyone's looking at is uh, Adebayo. <clears throat> Again, there's not as there doesn't seem to be as much scrutiny over Richardson, and that's purely because Tottenham somehow found found a way to to win that game. And you know, if if Eli puts that in, it is a different game because at that stage, nil nil, ten men, who knows what would happen? I'm not saying they're going to go on to win it or anything, but it. It yeah, it just kind of there was five minutes of everything you wanted to see from Luton against ten men, re- yeah, really positive front footed stuff, and then that happens. You think, well, that's something it'll gobble up e- easy, and the fact that it doesn't, I I don't know what it is because he scored his first Premier League goal against Burnley, so that's off his back. And usually, when you say that about a striker getting that monkey off their back about the first goal, and they kick on, don't they? And so he's. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it, it, it can. Can it be pressure at that stage? I don't know. No, I think it's, it's not pressure. It's you look at the goal against Burnley on Tuesday night. It's instinctive. One touch, turn, bosh. That ball's come fifty yards, doesn't it? And it's you know it's like too much time. To, I mean, how many times have we seen Harry Cornick, for example? You know, scores the hardest ones misses the easy ones he just had too much time didn't he and he knows he should have gone left footed if he goes left footed he's got the whole he's he's not missing it it's impossible to miss if he goes left footed he's tried I think Ian Wright said it on match of the day last night he's tried the hardest finish that he possibly could should still go in the back of the net even trying that hardest finish but 
you know, I feel for, I feel sorry for the lad because I thought he had a really good game up until that point as well. He live out, positioned out on that sort of left hand channel. You know, he 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 was playing really really well and um, kind of faded very fast after that, as you would do. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 so disappointing. I mean, I spoke to him after the game, and fair play to him for speaking to me because. Um, I was watching a succession of Spurs players pretend they had phone calls as they walked past the media in the mix zone. And then Eli comes along and he's, he's happy to talk, which it says a lot about them. We spoke a lot with uh, Eli, haven't we, in previous seasons uh, at um, awards, uh, end of awards, end of season awards dues. And he's always a, a very intelligent thinker of the game as well. And an honest lad. And a, yeah. you, don't, you don't need to tell him he knew that he knows the situation. Unfortunately, he's he's done it on television and he's copying it from sort of all angles, really. But you know, it was a key moment in the game. Um, and then five minutes later, Town, you just can't you can't wait for Madison to go and take that corner. You've got to follow him and make sure that if they do play the ball short, you've got someone on him. Yes, he was taking every single corner going. But Kulisevsky's got the ball down in that corner. That corner could have been taken at any time as it was. Goes to Madison. We're not set up. He gets the ball across. Pretty much tap in. No chance for Kaminsky. And it's an uphill struggle from there. Well, yeah. Watching it back on Match of the Day, um, Alfie left him go. Um, You can't get near Madison in the penalty area. As soon as you touch him, he's down. You get a penalty. Um, and it's the same with all the others. It's not just Madison. Um, you've really, really, really got to be clever and very good defender to make any kind of contact and tackle in a penalty area without it being a penalty. So I just felt for Alfie. This is probably the only thing that he did wrong in the game, but he couldn't avoid doing it, in all honesty. Um, and it was a bit of a fluff shot, really, wasn't it? He didn't whack it in the net. He sort of... I think the point of it though is that you've got it on target and it's the main thing is that's that you, the thing yeah you, you do that you get it on target and you, you get a chance at scoring a goal and if at that close quarters it's it, it's no shame on Kaminsky for not being able to get anything on it or you know it's just the, it's just the, those are the those are the differences aren't they where Luton had four golden opportunities and not one of them went on target there's the one chance they had the only chance they had in the second half that's on target and that wins the game. Yeah, well, this is what I said earlier about players trying too hard. Mm. When that ball came through, it it broke through to him and he just hit it. He didn't try and place it. He didn't try and whack it in the top of the net. He just hit it mm. and kept it on target. Whereas we're talking about Adebayo was trying really hard to put the ball in the net with his right peg instead of his left peg, which, as Ian Wright said, was the thing to have done on his weaker leg. You've got Alfie that wax one. Nine times out of ten. A little bit more calmness that'll go in the top corner. Um, you've got Brown with his header. If it had just cushion-headed that, it's a goal. But he wants to whack it in at 90 mile an hour. All you've got to do is just get it on target. Like you say, it doesn't have to be whacked at 90 mile an hour. It doesn't have to be um, placed in any particular position. If it's on target... The goalkeeper's got to save it or someone's got to clear it off the line. Yeah, or it goes in. And so if not, it's either a way, it's, you're, you're happy or you, you hold your hands up and go fair play to the goalies, isn't it? There so. you go. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, you mentioned earlier we might not have won the game if Eli scored, but we've said it in nearly every podcast since them first two games. The first goal in Luton games are bloody massive. We don't generally cough them up when we take the lead. Generally, we see a game out really, really well. If anything, we'll go and get a second like we did at Everton. And obviously against 10 men, they'd have had to have come out and there'd have been more space for Gio and everything else to have uh, gone in behind. But yeah, that was depressing, that one. Um, But the performance itself was really good. The performance was really good because it was the third one in eight days. And you could tell in the last sort of 10 or 15 minutes, the team that played Tuesday night to the team that didn't play on Tuesday night. But they still kept on going. They kept on going and going and going. I mean, Gio... I mean, he's got Alan Campbell's batteries, and he had, <laughs> thankfully they nicked he nicked them off him before he went to Millwall. Reese Burke, pretty much all three games in eight days, absolutely out on his feet at the end. Gave absolutely everything in that well right back position oh, to start yeah, off with, wasn't it, isn't it? Playing in an unfamiliar position, really. I mean, he has played occasionally right back. It's not where it's it's not his forte, is it? And 
Um, you know, obviously he didn't quite read the situation for that first um, Richarlison chance. But or he knew it was Richarlison and thought, well, we're <laughs> yeah, all right here. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, they could have been that, but, you know, they, they changed from a back five to a back four as well, didn't they? So that takes some readjusting. If you, and if you're going to do that against a, a side, probably the, arguably the best side in the league at this moment in time, as well as Arsenal. Um, sorry, Tottenham fans. <laughs> um, sorry, yeah. Man City fans. I don't know about yeah, Tottenham yeah. fans. I mean, that's it's just a tough ask, isn't it? It's a tough ask. Yeah, it is. And actually, it shows the tactical sort of flexibility that uh, we've got in the squad. And um, yeah, it worked really. Not not for the first ten minutes, it didn't work. Obviously, twenty minutes. But when we got to play our football, having those two strikers again having Brown off of them, having Chio, all of a sudden when we attacked, there were men in the box, weren't there? That's the one thing, particularly in the away games, we've struggled with getting men in the box when we've attacked. I think of Fulham, we had that one where Chong broke from the corner and you can see it on match of the day because they've got the camera from behind the goal and Chong's steaming no down him. there and yeah. no one's within 50 yards of him. And, yeah. he, you know, poor sod's got nowhere to go, has a shot, hits the target and he's got saved. Um, but this time, every time Chio went forward, he didn't have to stop on the edge of the box. There were people in the box or there were people getting to the edge of the box and he had options. And it was the same on the other side when Brown done it as well and when Alfie had the ball. So that's a, that's a positive to do that against Tottenham. So I was I was pretty pleased with that. Uh, the other thing I was pleased with, Reg, and um, the longer the kind of game went on was the fact that the substitutes that we brought on, Chong in particular, um, really impacted the game. And that just shows us that we're not all about a first 11. We've got players on the bench now that can influence the games as well because those first two or three games, we got to the 65, 70-minute mark and on was coming 50 million, 50 million, 60 million and all this. And we were tiring, but now we can actually bring our own quality on the pitch and maintain that level for the 95 minutes or however long it is. Yeah, it's, it's quite simple, really. Um, we're in the Premier League and we've had to hit the ground running. We haven't had a practice run at it. Um, and, and we've got to learn as we go. And we've got to learn pretty quick. And even the pundits on Match of the Day are changing their attitudes a little bit. Um, where Alan Shearer said at the first game when we got beat by Brighton that we're rubbish... We're um, going to go straight back down. And then the comments that Garth Crooks has made. Um, now when you're watching Luton on Match of the Day, the comments are a little bit different. And they're a little bit more appreciative of what Luton are trying to do. And if they knew the background of Luton over the last 10 years, working their way out through the conference and improving every year, they would understand that it's going to take us 10 games to get anywhere near the kind of mark that um, Brentford, Wolves, Nottingham Forest have been at over the last couple of seasons. It's not going to happen overnight. Can tell you ain't been on the podcast. It's Notts Forest, isn't it? Not 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 Nottingham Forest. Um, <laughs> as we'll, as I'm sure we'll come to in the podcasts to come over the next couple of weeks. Um, what did you make of the subs, James Chong in particular? I thought that was his best cameo performance. Woodrow, obviously, is going to be remembered for that chance. It just got stuck between his feet. Um, these things happen. Ten minutes of Barkley. Again, you can just see that he's got so much quality, but we need to get him 90-minute fit to show that quality. And Mengi had a, another storming cameo. I don't think it's long before he's a very tough-to-drop defender in that back three. Yeah, I mean, it was a good game, apart from that last kick of the ball, which nobody was happy with. It's when he, kind of still travelling that one, yeah, isn't it? I mean, Carlton Morris had a very serious word with him after that. Um, yeah, if you're a defender, you shouldn't be having a pot shot from 30 yards. They should be just like keeping that alive and sticking it in the mixer, I think. But, you know, he'll live and learn. Um, it was good. Yeah, it was a good performance for him. Um, yeah, it was the, the Woodrow one for me sort of made me think it can't be... It can't be a lack of ability because he's one of the best technicians Luton have got in terms of a forward. His touch is fantastic. You only have to replay that 
winning goal against Norwich, when the, the first touch to get him into space to take that shot was absolutely outrageously good. And so he comes on and then his first touch is not ideal. I think um, actually they even highlighted where he should be going, which if as a striker, you're always told to try and get across your defender because then it, you've got to bring you down or you're clean through. And he doesn't do that. But he's got loads of time to take another another a touch and maybe set himself again. He doesn't and virtually passes it into Vicario's hands. And when you're seeing that sort of thing, it can't be a lack of ability to score goals because they've done it before. So it's just like this little element that maybe it's a, it's a rush. Uh, to, they're in too much of a rush. To like, I think Reg has got it on spot on because I've not heard that sort of point of view before. They're just trying too hard. And probably that's what it is. Yeah, I think I think he's right. Uh, I think they are trying too hard, but I think they've got. I mean, we've all had this mindset, right? We've all gone to this Premier League thing, and we're all like, "Oh shit, Luton ain't going to get many chances. They've got to really maximise the ones they do get." It's cobblers. Look at the chances we've created in the last two games. 12 shots on um, Saturday, more than that against Burnley, nearly double that against Wolves. Chances are not a problem now. Get this out of your head, boys, that you've got to snatch at every chance and take it. The next one will come along. Just relax, compose, put the ball in the net. These We're getting many more chances than everyone, everyone thought we would do. And um, if you don't get the first one, there, there will be another one coming. It's not... You know, it's not life and death that you've got to get. I think that's what it is. That, I think it's the that pressure of the chances aren't going to come as regularly as they did in the championship. We've got to make 100% use of every single one. And it just puts a, like a shackle on them. And um, there's no need to. The chances are coming regularly. If Hell, if we can create that much against Tottenham. Okay, Tottenham probably aren't the best offensive side in the country. But, you know, there's still a level or two above where we were at going into the season if we can create chances against them we can create them against absolutely anyone just relax and start finding please just start finding the target in the net well maybe it's this thing that they've seen obviously in the first two games where they just came up against two ki- killers though um, Edwards has described them as they just took their chances so well and you're always told that you don't get that many chances in the Premier League and that you have to take the ones you do. And so this has been built in to ingrained into all of our psyches over just as fans and probably as them as football fans, most of them, as well as players, they get that in their brain that that's got to happen. Um, but it's a phenomenal amount of chances that have created. And, you know, again, you have, you, you have every right to be disappointed and frustrated by the result, but then also you should be equally um, thrilled that, did you ever, ever think that Tot- uh, Luton were going to create this many chances in the Premier League? I don't think I even did. Oh, God. I mean, I'm the most positive Luton fan that there is. I, you know, I mean, I, I even refused to predict that we were going mm. to lose to Tottenham in the preview podcast. I just can't bring myself to do it. And I didn't think we'd create this this level of chances, not just the level of chances, but the so good chances, aren't they? And it's it'll come. I'm absolutely sure it'll come. The other thing I think as well has happened is... From those first two games, we've been kind of overrun, overloaded defensively. We've worked so hard on our defensive patterns of play that the, that the attacking patterns of play have probably taken a little bit of a side issue, and, and they probably did because we couldn't keep conceding four and three every single game. That was going to get us absolutely nowhere. Now, over these next two weeks, we've kind of got the defensive sort of sorted out. Now, over this international break, let's get the other side of it worked on a bit more. And... Um, see if we flourish and I'm sure we will it just needs just needs that little bit of composure but that will come as I say in the divisions gone by we've had this problem and they've sorted it out amongst themselves they've worked it out and we've finished seasons very very strongly we always finish seasons very very strongly and um, memories are short in football though <laughs> that's the thing well yeah I don't think memories are short within Luton fans are they we've just got all these bell ends that are attached to this league that won't you know that won't let you forget like even the slightest mistake even regardless of the fact that like you say Richarlison missed the target Eli just scuffed his that it didn't get to the goal Richarlison missed a goal completely from half the distance it's like do us a favour it's you know 
it's very, very frustrating. But like you said, James, the absolute positive is we've just played against a bloody good Tottenham side who will not be out of the top four this season, barring something crazy, because they were better than Brighton and Chelsea. Um, so there can't be there can't be four teams better than them in this league. And we went toe to toe with them and created some seriously good chances. And we've come off the pitch frustrated that we've not got something from the game. That's the positive uh, to it all. Did you notice that uh, Tottenham didn't want to give us too many set pieces anywhere near their box? I don't blame them, especially corners. They did everything they could to avoid giving a corner away. Yeah, but that's... they can't defend corners. Well, that's smart football because Luton's strength, as we alluded to in the preview podcast, is set pieces. And we'd said that uh, that's our strength. And yet again, Alfie's fired 13 more crosses in in the game. Absolute, you know, gold dust, these these crosses and everything else. And we are a hard team to defend against. They're all saying it. Even Ange was complimentary of both of his centre-backs. That they've, you know, they had a real tough game and they defended really well, and they did. I mean, let's not forget this is a World Cup winner that we was up against, and I'm pretty sure I saw a quote. If I didn't see it after the game, I saw it before the game. Lionel Messi says Christian Romero has the potential or is the best defender in world football. Now he's a pretty good judge, that bloke, because he can play the game of association football. So if he's saying that, and we've gone toe to toe and we've given him a good game to the point that the Spurs manager has accepted that. You know, that's a that's, that's a huge, huge positive for our football club. It is. All of these things, when you pick them out and you really analyse it, it um, it makes you feel a lot bit a lot better about the game because at the time, and, and obviously there'll still be people that only really focus on the result, and obviously it's a results game. So, of course, you can, you, you can and you have the, the right to have. I'm going to have to keep saying this because I know there are people that can't understand that two things can be thought at the same time, which is that be disappointed by the result. But it's good to be disappointed by that result if that makes sense, because you know that they've they've had all the chances to take a result from there and take points, whether that was a draw or whether that was a win. I don't know, but... You've ridden, you've had the luck to ride out that first ten minutes. Got back into the game, got the man advantage, played really well. Should have taken the lead, and it doesn't happen. But nobody, we said in the in the previous podcast, nobody's expecting Luton to beat Tottenham, and that's that's the scenario. So it's, you know, I'm like you, I don't really want to say free hit, but nobody's predicting points against Spurs for that. So they've done a really good job. They're just not. The perfect job. Yeah, that's a pretty good way of um, summing it up, isn't it? I mean, they're all the the kind of consensus, the sort of cliche these days is that the performance is the byproduct. Sorry, the result is the byproduct of the performance. And if we perform like that for the last thirty games of this season, I have absolutely no doubt there are points out there for Luton Town. Now, whether there's enough to finish fourth from bottom, time will tell. But there's definitely points out there. Before we get the thoughts of Rob and Eli. Uh, the crowd, Reg, it was, it was, it was brilliant in the, in the stands on Saturday. The atmosphere was fantastic. The noise was electric. It was just like, you know, those two games that we compare it to all the time last season, Watford and Sunderland. It's great, great atmosphere down at Kenny. Um, always is for me, but, um, uh, Saturday was, was great. It's, it's unusual because 1230 kickoffs. And be awkward for some people, especially people that have to work on Saturday mornings. But, I love them. Um, I think bring on twelve thirty kickoffs all the time. I reckon. Let's start a petition. I fucking loved it. But yeah, the crowd enjoyed it. Um, they were up for it. It's just a pity that by the time we got home, when you get on social media, so many people complaining about this, that, and the other, and everything else. And we're sitting here talking about the pros and cons and the good bits and the bad bits. Um, I can't make out sometimes what, what the fans actually want as opposed to what they're, they're watching in a live game of football that they feel the need that they have to condemn and criticise afterwards. Yeah, your problem is that you're using social media as a um, baseline and in this league do not use social media as a baseline because, as I say, there's so many clickbait idiots in it uh, that it's not a fair reflection. I think everyone at Kenilworth Road on Saturday were proud of the team. 
they showed that at the end but they were disappointed that we didn't get what we deserved out of the game and that's absolutely fine those 12.30 games Rob seems to forget them quite quickly didn't he couldn't even remember that we played Watford at 12.30 last season in his pre-match presser I think someone had to remind him of that of all the games Rob that you're um that you'd forgotten not that one uh, that's for sure let's hear from Rob then sent James along to uh, get all the audio from his post-match press conference and he basically sums it up perfectly as he always does. We're saying the same things, aren't we, at the moment, which uh, which is frustrating and I feel like we've left points out there today. Not look, Tottenham started really well and really strongly and, and we didn't come out the traps for the first 10-12 minutes. But after that, I thought we really grew into the game. We started executing what we planned to do uh, and we were doing it well. Um... So in the end, I was relatively pleased at half-time, pleased that we're in there, we're in the game, it's nil-nil. Not had any big chances really, but apart from that disallowed goal at half-time, that's OK. Uh, but the dynamic changed because of the sending off. So uh, it was an opportunity for us then to really, to be even more, to, to try and be more, to be more aggressive. Uh, we felt the change that they did, we, we kind of predicted that. We thought Hoiberg would come on because they'd keep the way they're playing. they just take one more number off their last line. So we changed our shape to go to a back three again, have three against the front two, and then we could be man for man everywhere else and have width with Chio and Alfie. First couple of minutes, it worked really well. We had a huge opportunity, a massive chance, which in the end, you know, we didn't take and we've been, we've been punished for because then, you know, we switched off with a short corner as well. Those two, those two moments are, are big in the game. Uh, and then we did... We huffed and puffed and tried. We had a couple of other big moments um, that we didn't take. So, yeah, I'm saying the same things um, at the moment. They're an elite team. And just because then they're down to 10 men, it, it doesn't mean, right, go on, just go and win now, Luton. It's, it's not that easy. It's, you know, that's still hard for us and they're, they're very well organised. But, yeah, I do feel like we left something out there. We left points out there today. And uh, we do need to learn quickly on that. We need to make sure our mentality is right in every single moment. You know, defending a defending a corner against Tottenham, you've got to be you've got to be at it. I, I was really pleased with a lot of what I saw there, um, but I'm really I'm really disappointed and flat as well because we we could and maybe should have after the get the way the game went after they missed some chances early doors and then going down to ten men the way the game went and with the chances that we missed we could have got something from the game and should have and we're we're competing well and performing well. If we weren't performing well, we were getting battered every week. That I think would be difficult, you know. But I don't see that at the moment. I don't think any of you would say you see that. You see a team that's fighting. You see a team that's committed. Um, of course, today, you know, there was a few chances early on in the game. But then after that, I thought, you know, we looked, we looked a good team. You, they're going to have the lion's share of possession, the quality that they've got. You know, that's just how it is. We're mainly, in, especially in this league, we were last year, but mainly in this league, we're going to be an out-of-possession team that's got to be organised and try and hurt teams with our strengths when we can. Um, so now I'm seeing good performances. I'm seeing a lot of stuff. It's just, you know, it's it the the points are then really what, what keeps the belief there as well. Um, but no, this is still early enough now to make sure that uh, the, the the belief remains. We've got time now to get a little bit of work done together. Obviously, if you go off an international trip, we can we can get some good work in. We need to recover, get some bodies back, um, and we go again. Or you know, we can't feel sorry for ourselves. We wanted this. You know, we got promoted and we wanted to be here and, and test ourselves against the big boys and, and we're doing that and I'm really enjoying it and the lads are, if you ask them really, they're loving it, you know, they're loving it but we don't like losing, we don't like losing, I've got to make that clear um, so let's keep working hard, keep improving, which we are doing um, and we'll pick up points. Yep, perfectly balanced uh, reflection, um, disappointment, with, met with pride from Rob and uh, he's spot on. Uh, we also sent James along to speak to the man who should have been the goal, uh, the scorer of the opening goal, but wasn't quite Elijah Adebayo, who fair play, as James said earlier in the podcast, he fronted up, he spoke to him, and he was really, really honest with his count. And uh, here's what he had to say. That feels like a bit of defeat to, to take, considering the second half you had. After the first 10 minutes, I think we, we kind of got to grips with the game plan that that we put in place um, and we know that Tottenham are a good team we know we're going to have to be perfect in a sense because um, they've got some really good players but um, after this and then off we obviously it was quite late on in the half second half we had a, another game plan different game plan um, myself if, if I score I think it's a completely different game um, and those are the fine margins in this league um, you see obviously down to 10 men but they, they take their chance and 
uh, makes the game a little bit easier for them because they can sit in their, in their shape. Um, but like I said, we're, we're learning every week. We've got to, um, you know, where we've got to improve that that deadly instinct in the in the opposition box, and um, I'm sure it will come over over the next. Um, a uh, few weeks and now we've got some time to obviously reflect and um, get ourselves together ready for Nottingham Forest What happened with your chance to just get stuck under your foot? Yeah it was just um, some. it was just I think if I go left foot score i just gone with the wrong foot and uh, it's just gone underneath me but strikers miss um, and they have to try and bounce back and that's what I've got to do I've got to got to bounce back and um, not let it affect me too much but I know I've obviously uh, let the boys down today, but um, we're working hard in the week again to, to try and rectify that. Yep, fair enough, Eli. Um, hey, look, everyone makes mistakes, everyone misses chances. Put the next one in the back of the net and we'll all fi- we'll all be forgotten. Um, before we finish this podcast, James... If, if you want to read more about that, by the way, because <laughs> I had a good conversation with Eli, you can go to Lutonia.com this week and there'll be more stuff on that. I was coming to that at the end, but we'll let you get your plug in uh, halfway through. It's not a problem. Before we finish this podcast, I was down at the training ground last week to record a special podcast with Jacob Brown, which we will release later this week. And whilst I was waiting for Jacob to come out of the team meeting, someone who looked like Andros Townsend walked past me. And uh, I was having a little bit of a natter. And... um, you know, it turns out he's been training with the club for a week, was playing in the under-21 game on Friday night, which we now know he played the entire 90 minutes of. And um, talks are that, you know, he's going to sign or, or a deal is going to be offered that keeps him here until potentially until January, if not longer. Very experienced player. I was actually quite surprised that he's only 32. I thought he'd been around a lot longer than that. England international, serious quality can't be any negatives to this if if a deal goes ahead can it we've got a spare space on the 25 man squad may as well fill it until January absolutely if it works for both uh, parties which was the gist of what um, Rob was telling us on the the Spurs pre-match press conference on Friday which is when we got the news from him Um, I mean I'd seen Andros walking around so it's fairly obvious as well like you I'd seen him walking around but um, uh, yeah if it works for both then great I think the, the, there's a couple of things that uh, uh, would be a benefit. One's the Premier League experience. He's played over 250 games in the Premier League. He's an England international. Um, I think he also fits the one of the one of the criteria of Luton signings, which I think he's even at 32, he's got something to prove because he's been knocking around Everton, not really getting a sniff, um, and he's been having to battle against everything that goes off the pitch with that club at the moment as well as on the pitch not personally obviously but um, he's, he's been part of that dressing room which has had to take the brunt of it so he's got something to prove there um, but he's also, everybody would have seen obviously the the uh, story that he came out and said that he, he had been training and with Burnley for the whole pre-season and looked like he was going to sign a contract to the point that he was looking at schools for his kids and stuff like that and had shirt numbers, well, discussions about shirt numbers and then they, they pulled the contract and he said he was in tears about it because, yeah, well, you know, he, saw, he is in the twilight of his career but um, he's been out injured for a while as well so he's probably not got the mileage on his legs that would suggest of a 32-year-old but he's still got the the games behind him Premier League games and the international experience so there's something there for him something to prove for him I think that he can still cut in this division I think the main thing is that he knows where to stick he knows where the goal is and he knows where the goal is from 30 yards so um, you know while we're struggling on the line at the moment if he comes up pops pops one in the top corner from 25 yards more the better um, I suppose the the only question mark is probably where he's going to play because you know, not having, I don't have the the greatest knowledge of Andros Townsend beyond maybe England because I'm not really, I wasn't paying attention to the clubs that he played for, but he's more of a winger, isn't he? But, um, you know, if a lot of Luton stuff is going down the wing as it is at the moment, then, you know, could add to that. But I don't see any downsides to adding that one player if he's, if he's the one player because there's space in the squad. Yeah, and even if he doesn't play, very often if he raises levels in training 
uh, that could be just as important as anything else. Uh, that contract at Burnley obviously got pulled because he didn't hit the floor quickly enough or do enough forward rolls when he was on the floor. Um, <laughs> but uh, thankfully, that is you know that's the case. Yeah, so he's been training at Luton for a little over a week. Uh, he played the whole ninety minutes uh, of the um, under twenty one game at Leeds or at York against Leeds on Friday night, and our understanding is that. That will be resolved at some point during this international break. He'll either be a Luton player in time to play at Notts Forest, Notts Forest, or um, or he won't be, and he'll go he'll go elsewhere, like Crystal Palace, which talk sports sources no less uh, said he was going to Crystal Palace. Whilst I was on my way home from recording that podcast, where I'd spoken to him not half an hour previous. Not sure what that says about talk sports sources, but I can guarantee the LTST podcast sources are much more accurate than uh, than that. That's for sure. Okay, um, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, thanks, as always, go to the Hightown Club for hosting uh, this episode. Uh, thanks also to Liam Smith for any images that you've seen throughout any of our podcasts, actually, not just this one. He's the one who's um, snapped all of those for us. Uh, so you can find him on his Facebook page on the links of where you've picked up all of our podcasts. Thanks to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music, which had a really good comment, actually, didn't it? In a previous one on YouTube that said it was more iconic than um, the World Cup uh, winning um, line as well. And, and I actually agree. It's it, it gets me going as much as that too. That's what we um, got it made on the basis of the Italian 90 um, New Order, World in Motion um, tracks. Sort of, obviously don't rip that one off because we can't afford, can't afford to pay off New Order, but do something similar and they, they come up trumps. Yeah, absolutely. That's a brilliant intro. And obviously as well to Ed Smith Creatives for all of the uh, images and designs that you see on our set. But thanks most importantly to you for watching or listening. Uh, if you're not a member of the Trust, as we always say, uh, if you'd consider joining, we'd really appreciate it. The stronger our membership, the louder our voice can be, the more importance that we can have. And uh, you only have to look at some of these clubs that we come up against, even in this league, to see that uh, owners can be uh, bad people. Thankfully, we've not got that, but who knows what the future holds. So, yeah, if you want to join the trust, hit our website, www.lutontownsupporterstrust.com. There's a link on there to sign up. £10 for adults, £5 for concessions, and you get all of the season uh, for that. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will be back with the Jacob Brown Preview Podcast later this week and our monthly podcast uh, in the middle week of the, uh, sorry, middle weekend of the international break. Until then, James, Reg, thanks for joining me and come on you atters. Got this massive soul. We're looking for people.